The Malaysian Christian Memes community is a community that seeks to disciple one another in Christ with laughter, where the gospel is shared with insights of life to make as many disciple makers for Christ. You could say, a ministry for His glory. Okay, we are recording. Hi, welcome to the sixth episode of Malaysian Christian Talks, and my name is Adriel. And if you're already tuning in by now, for the new listeners, if you're first time listening, listen to the rest. Uh, what we basically do here is we talk about the biblical decisions or having the biblical lens on how we view ourselves within the world and maybe specifically in Malaysia. Uh, I do apologize if you're hearing some sounds out there. They're fogging. They're fogging. Yeah. But today is going to be a, a, a slightly tougher topic. I thought about it. I prayed about it. I hope to be wrong about it. I'm always up for discussions and a discourse. And if I'm wrong about it, I am ever ready to be rebuked. I want you to hear me out today. And here's it. This whole idea of us being the Jeremiah generation. But before we jump to that bridge or we cross that bridge, my question is, has anyone told you that us second generation Malaysian Christians, uh, the Joshua generation, Joshua meaning that Moses has rescued, has already rescued the people out of Egypt, but they are not allowed to proclaim the promised land. That's up to Joshua and they are called to, you know, Fight for it now! It's your turn to take the place. There's one question that's that's odd in my mind, and I'll tell you why in a while. My next question is, um, you know, I always wonder, really, after looking at 2022, my question is, what is the church doing? How are we handling the 21st century? You know, Martin Luther said this that the church was a high, deep, and hidden thing. He simply meant uh, that it was a mystery too deep to fully comprehend that church is something like that. And many call this the invisible church. The church that is to be united in the Holy Spirit coming under the rule of Jesus Christ as our King, so much so that where there is now no Jew, nor Gentile, slave, nor master, male, nor female, we are all one in Christ. And yet, the invisible church is truly seen in the visible church. You know, the every Sunday, Saturday, or whatever days where we come for formal services to sing praises together, to listen to the Word of God. I'm oversimplifying here. Uh, but, you know, church in, in essence is the gathering of God's people in one place under His name. And, you know, we talk about this whole idea of being united in Christ. Yet, honest opinion, um, such a unity doesn't seem apparent these days. Uh, granted, I am one person, I am limited in my knowledge and experience, I am still fairly young and I, I have a long way to go in my Christian walk. Nonetheless, uh, allow me to just share with you what my eyes see, right? So, back to the Joshua generation, right? Uh, they Basically, it's just a way to say uh, our time is up, it's time for you to take it. David prepared the blueprints, uh, Solomon, you go build it. Uh, and you know to be remain faithful, but um, many of the so-called Moses generation, at least, um, they they are asking for a revival, and they are asking where where are the young ones now? They're asking where are the men? We need people to rise up, and you know what? Sometimes I also ask the same questions: Where are the men now? You might you might call me a arrogant dude, but again, hear me out. So, uh. I am not surprised that I do not see 
people rising up in the church in this day and age. Not surprised at all. And when sometimes the older people ask for a revival, I sometimes wonder, is the kind of revival that they experienced in the 1970s, 1980s, where there was an outbreak and outpouring of the Spirit, and people were speaking in tongues, people were getting saved. There's this tangible experience of God, you know. And I don't blame them because that, that was what they experienced. And if God can replicate that, that would be cool. We're all on the same side anyway, but um, at the same time, I want to challenge the idea of what a revival looks like. You know, sometimes you know, I want you to consider that a love for the Word of God, you know, the urgency to share the good news, a sudden practice of spiritual disciplines, just praying and spending time seeking the Lord, I find that to be much of a revival than anything else, um, if I may, much more than a charismatic experience. And for a period of time, I thought that would be the revival I would be observing. Uh, maybe I'm on the wrong side of the world. If I am someone, please say, hey, um, look at this, that something else is happening. But to be part of that revival and that generation of just loving God's word, um, I, I don't think so that's the case. Um, if, if you are in the line of work that I do, uh, what I see is basically a decline uh, in the love of God. Uh, and what's my hypothesis? We are battling a culture, one that is consumeristic and individualistic. It's like, even if I were to know God, do I see, I do not see an urgency. Or rather, one would ask, what can I get out of God in this whole business of believing in Him? Do I get more money? Um, do I get better in my exams? Do I get a better paying job? Uh, is, the churches are saying, believe in Jesus and then this will happen to you. And because that is what a consumeristic society does, it consumes. And when individualistic people are also consumeristic, the society will end up consuming each other. Follow me? Now, if you are getting triggered at this moment, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Here are some things to consider. Will you still go to church or meet up with believers if you get persecuted? That's my question. Will you still worship God if one day God decided to strip you away of all your earthly riches? Basically, will you remain faithful when suffering comes? Or is Jesus just a wonderful convenience rather than the sole reason you live and breathe? You know, I think we are not the Joshua generation. There was never a Joshua generation. And if there was, that generation wasn't, was neither strong nor courageous. Uh, okay, if I this sounds very harsh. Okay, but um, hear me out, lah, Okay, uh, I'm just I'm just sharing you what I see. Um, all of us are like the Israelites currently in exile, and I mean Israelites in the Bible. We are the Jeremiah generation. To give you context, Jeremiah was in a time where he was called to be God's prophet when Israel was on a journey of being exiled, being powered by Egypt and Babylon. And, and they were just trying to be prosperous without God. They were forgetting God. And all this time, Jeremiah was called to speak the truth and get them to repent uh, and warn them about their impending judgment. At the same time, just telling them and encouraging them about God's faithfulness to His covenant at the end of the day. In spite 
of Israel's failure. And sometimes I find that we, like Israel, have forsaken God's covenant. We've thrown down his altars and killed his prophets with the sword. Uh, just quoting First Kings 19.14. We, like Ezekiel, are now looking at a jelly of jelly, a valley of dry bones. And you know, when we speak like the Jeremiah's, we are seen like whiny people and kill joys because we speak of the truth that stinks that there is no love for God, there is no love for the church, and it's all about what about me? I don't feel the connection. I don't feel like God is for me. Um and there was an uh, check out episode uh, three and four to to see how I empathize with that section. But now today is the the other side of the topic, and I want to talk about. And even Jeremiah lamented uh, to God. You know, he says he has driven me into the darkness. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has drove me into my kidneys. The arrow into his quiver. I have become a laughing stock of all people. The church seems to not be relevant anymore. Ouch, I said it. And certainly for the church to be secular, just to be relevant, is also not a solution. To purposely have fresh expressions of churches uh, without really thinking uh, what a church really is or what the church is called to be, again, not really against fresh expressions of churches, but I'm just pointing out there. Um, and I see the irony of Christian organizations trying to be they are trying their best to be faithful with what little they have while I see churches just splurging money on advertising um, and, and whatnot uh, and programs. It's just ironic to see this whole disparity. I hear churches preach to the congregation. I was in that congregation uh, where, you know, they say, if you believe in God, God can make you a millionaire. And the, 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 the congregation just cheers the preacher on. And by the way, theologically speaking, a uh, millionaire or not, without Jesus, I am bankrupt. Okay, And if you are a child of God, then you need to know that you are a child of someone who owns the universe. And which in that sense, you are already a millionaire. Just like when the father told the older son in Luke 15, Son, everything I have is yours. You were always with me. Now, my issue is not that God cannot make you a millionaire. My issue is that no one asks what is the purpose of being a millionaire. And I see this guy, I cannot brain... For unreal Christians, you know, with the new citizenship are called to build the kingdom of heaven. Somewhere, somehow, we're missing the point. Somewhere, somehow, I'm missing the point. Um, and if I'm wrong, please please tell me. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to be tell you what I see. And and you know what? Let me just say, if you're starting point with me, you know, but Edril, um, you're wrong. Um, I, I, I see pockets of this happening. I see pockets of that happening. I see revival happening here and there. Uh, that's, I'm not discrediting that, but that's not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is this. If anything, 2020 has taught us that we really need a new way of engaging one another. You know, we really need a new way of, of um, knowing what the church is supposed to exist in this, in this space of technology. We really need, perhaps, I oh, this might, I'm not liberal by the way, but a new way of theologizing ecclesiology here. We cannot be caught up, not, not that you cannot read, but we cannot be caught up with the theology of the 1900s, still bickering 
about what is right and what is wrong. Anyway, this is hard to say. If you want to call me arrogant, I will, I will swallow it. Uh, if you want to say that I haven't dealt with the log in my eye, I will swallow it. Because I just do not know how else to word it. When I say church is not relevant, perhaps I am also speaking of myself or speaking to myself. If everything were to be were to tumble down now, you know, I I will will I speak up for truth and justice? That's the question I ask myself. Uh, and you know, I'm just tired of just having people call out, oh, this person is liberal, this person is not. I'm just tired of Calvinism versus Arminism. You know, when when the early church. <laughs> You know they were not. They had no time to bicker about doctrine and theology. They were busy trying to survive persecution. They were trying to encourage one another, and it's only after the persecution ended that they were able to churches. Churches were able to gather to to discuss and agree upon the creeds. Uh, what are we doing, twenty twenty churches? What are we doing? Truth is, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, the harvest is plenty, uh, and the laborers are too damn few. And I'm in no position to claim that I know the right way. Uh, I'm just sharing what I see. But hey, what what do I know? But, but what do I know? Okay, what do I know? Um, you know, here's here's where I want to encourage you guys. In light of this open rebuke for all who are willing to listen, I know that God has already won the victory. Uh, and if this is the season, then so be it. We are to preach His word in and out of season. Amen. And we are to be salt and light of the world, whatever season. And, you know, I don't know whether I've said this, but by the way, salt, what's the purpose of salt? To add flavor, yeah? But salt is to preserve food, preserve things. Salt was never meant to fix things. Imagine when you put salt on a fish to preserve it those days, it doesn't stop the decay. It slows down the decay. Who fixes things? Jesus fixes things. I, I, okay, you know what? I sound a little bit angsty. Okay, I just want to echo what Paul says in Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk uh, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We do not create unity, brothers and sisters. We maintain unity. Unity was already established through the truth of Christ and Christ alone. Faith alone. Grace alone. You know, but, but take heart, you know. Um, the idea here is, you know, Paul did not say, let us uh, therefore skip rope and throw flowers on the road and uh, with one another. But, you know, it's never going to be easy. It's to bear with one another, to persevere. And our hope is not set on whether we'll find a new vaccine. Our hope is not set on hoping that things will get better, that we can meet physically in the church. If we read scriptures properly, we know and we shouldn't be surprised and we should be seeing the times that things will not get better. I mean, if 2020 gets better, then cool. If 2021 gets better, cool, praise God. But you know what? I, I don't think it'll get better. And I think it'll get worse on. And the church needs to be somehow equipped to deal with this till the day Christ comes again. And we need to see our current state and to know our calling and to walk worthy of it. And here's why I say, 
So the church needs to know how to battle this widespread use of technology and how it's being used now and how to maximize it, knowing that it's not ideal. No, it's not. It's not. Um, uh, We need to battle this individualistic culture of what is it in for me, consumeristic culture where the, the society is feeding into this individualistic culture and everyone's consuming one another. And I tell you, till the day we see Jesus as the bread of life, we will not consume him, but constantly consume the world, uh, and it will never be satisfying. Never. But why? I want to encourage you listeners on why this still brings me comfort. Because even Jeremiah, in all his suffering, could say after all that, that the the Lord's steadfast love never ceases. His mercies are fresh each morning. Great is his faithfulness. And as Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones, it was God that asked him, can I raise it? And Ezekiel says, only you know. And he witnessed how these bones uh, uh, turned to flesh and the sinews coming together. And even God responded to Elijah, who was whining, kill me, I'm the only one left in Israel who has never turned to you. God just you know, face palm a bit, I guess, and say, hey, there are still 7,000 Israelites that had not bowed down and kissed to Baal. While we might be the remnant. Uh, You see, that sounds very arrogant to say. We are called to maintain the tension like Daniel and his friends. Daniel had his loyalties to God and God alone while entering into a culture different from him. Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. You learn to work within the law of the nation. Ravi Zacharias once, once said this, you know, whose image is on Caesar, he says, you know, uh, Caesar's face. Okay, and then he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And he added on, if the people were to ask whose image, what then belongs to God, then Jesus would have said, whose image is on you. I think that's a really powerful line. Um, And until Jesus comes again, we need to maintain this tension of, you know, learning to stand up for truth and justice and being biblically sound while learning to obey and submit to the authorities of our time. But as of now, brothers, we are not the Joshua generation. We are the Jeremiah generation. Voicing out and perhaps being heard but trying to speak the truth in love, perhaps being ridiculed. At the same time, being in the space where the people just could not care about God, could not be bothered. They Somehow God is not tangible for them. They want to suppress the truth. And, and you know what? Uh, if I want to prosper without God, by all means, kill me lah. Or, or screw, screw you lah, you know? But you know, take heart. If you know the God whom you worship, and if you know truth, then know this at the end of the day. Only Jesus can make it right. Only Jesus can turn a disordered world back into order. And the true new world order. <laughs> Till that time comes, you know, I, want, I just want to encourage you all to persevere, for we know victory has already been set in stone. Me, I'm, I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be consistent. Even if I yielded no fruits, you know, 
Yeah, by the way, have you checked this guy, uh, Calvin Chia? Yeah, he's a he's a researcher, cancer researcher, in in Cambridge, and he does this daily Bible reading. And boy, if you just sit at his feet just to listen him unpack, you just learn to soak and learn so much more that he has to say. Uh, and you know, go check him out. You know, and for me, you know, I'm just gonna remain faithful uh, as much as the truth compels me. And I would just love to hear at the end of the day, Jesus looking at me and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And you know, that's all for today. That we are the Jeremiah generation to hold fast and to just hear to what I have to say and to see. And if you agree with me, you know, then just message me and let's have a chat. Uh, but next, the next episode will be more interesting. I'll be having a guest over and we'll be talking about ruminations about denominations. <laughs> Yeah, and that's all for today. Um, I'm I'm Andrew. Uh, do subscribe if you find this useful. Yeah, peace out. Bye.